Hello, podcast listeners. This is Daniel Friedlander, and this is the Nintendo Podcast, or LithCast, episode 44 for June 10th, 2008. Hello, LithCast listeners. As previously stated, this is Daniel Friedlander, and this is LithCast episode 44. Good to be with you. It's been about eh, about a month, maybe a little less, I'm not sure, since the last LithCast, LithCast episode 43. Um, I did mention that it would be, that I'd be a little bit busy, a little, well, actually quite a bit busier. Um, and so I wasn't going to be doing, I mean, so you, you kind of expected this wait. However, we are here today, and that is that is what's important. Uh, it's good to be with all of you. Uh, I'm not sure that too much actually really happened since the last podcast. I mean, you know, some stuff happened. We'll definitely talk about it. Um, but, uh, but still it's good to be with you. And as far as, uh, actually, I'm just going to have to, you know, I'll just start off with what, uh, that song was, and actually the reason, of course, you know, there's always sort of a reason why we play the songs we play when we play them at the beginning of the show, and um, this one is no different. Um, this particular podcast, we used the apparently uh, Pikachu Beach from Pokemon Yellow. Now, the reason that we are playing a song from Pokemon Yellow is actually quite simple, but actually kind of not quite simple. Um, we're going to get into that a little bit later as far. I mean, we do have a, um, some Pokemon things to discuss, which is actually, as I say, why we're using that music. So um, to begin, I sort of, you know, I usually like to talk first about what is going on at LithCast and, uh, you know, recently also what's been going on at thehylia.com since I now am kind of running that. Um, so as far as what's going on at LithCast.com, there isn't much that's too new. Of course, all of you know about the um, about our Lith- LithCast forums, LithCast.com slash forums. Um, very good place to check out. Uh, probably the biggest um, and most important updates to LithCast um, are, uh, well, I'll just have to tell you them. the most important thing and thing that makes me extremely happy is that uh, Mr. Storm, our lovely, I better, I, I better, I better start, I better up the compliments, otherwise he might not stay. Our extremely lovely and extremely talented um, moderator is back posting, and it's great to have him back. I, I knew he'd come back. Anyways, he's still, he's, he's up, he's posting, and boy, the post count really shoots up when he, when he's around. He's just, I mean, he just knows how to get discussions going, and also he posts a lot, and he just. He, he asks the tough questions, and if he would ever come on the podcast, boy, that would be that would be quite a podcast, I think. Uh, very intelligible person, very um, very intellectual. Uh, so it's great to have him back, and that's that's great news for for me. I, I'm very happy to to have him 
back with us. Uh, real, real asset to the podcast. And so that's the biggest thing. So all the more reason why you guys should be on the forums. Uh, Mr. Storm is back. He, he's the law around these parts. I don't know exactly how much lawing he's been doing, but you know, he's around and uh, very, I mean, he, he's almost, he's almost worth the, he's almost worth the trip to the forums. Of course, so are Endor and um, Arbiter, our other, our other uh, faculty. And of course, our, our great uh, reviewers, uh, including our armory on my back and uh, Dustin Co. And um, see the things I don't want. I don't. I'm not leaving anyone out because I don't. Because I don't love you guys. It's just. It's just. This is just who I remember. So there's a lot of reasons to be with cast. Almost fifty thousand posts for th- forty nine thousand three hundred thirty nine to be exact at the time when I'm recording this. And I just wanted to welcome our newest member, Nintendo eight five five eight. Um, welcome to Nintendo eight five five eight. Um, we're actually going to discuss something that Nintendo eight five five eight brought up um, as one of his first posts on the forums. We're actually going to probably talk about that a little bit later. Um, so that's as far as Lithcast.com goes. Not too much new. Uh, just kind of been putting along here with Lithcast. As far as uh, some of you have been asking me about E three plans. Um, because I have been trying to get those underway. I kind of wanted to get them done a lot earlier than I did in recent years, because what usually happens is that it'll be like the night before the press conference, and then I'll get invited because, oh, I hadn't had everything organized ahead of time. And so I wanted to kind of get everything organized, you know, far and farther in advance. And now here we are, we're like a month until E3. It's, it's June 10th today, so we're about a month away. And, and what do you know? Like I, I still haven't gotten on E3. It's not that I haven't been working on it. It's just, well, um, to be honest now, you guys will have to keep this a secret, especially because most of you don't go to the Hylia. But to be honest, I, I really wanted to... Um, I contacted Nintendo. So this year, um, E3 is by invitation only. And a lot of people would say E3 is dying and that PAX, the Penny Arcade Expo, is really going is really the new... The new frontiers, the new creme de la creme, the new, the new gold standard, the new, the new man with the plan, the new expo to end all expositions, the new, well, you get the idea. So that's what sort of people have started to say. And I I think I partially agree with that, but here's the thing. PAX is in Seattle. E3 is in Los Angeles. And as far as I'm concerned, E3 is still topping it, especially with regards to Nintendo. I think Nintendo puts more... Um, emphasis on E3 than on PAX, and I think part of the reason is because Nintendo was 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 one third of the hands with along with Sony and Microsoft in the demise of E3. I think after 2006, which I went to, which was a great, tremendous, huge, multi-million dollar production E3. I I would even venture to say maybe even in the billions if you total up all the companies. But Nintendo alone, I think probably spent about 10 million dollars, just from what I've seen at least. Um, I think the reason that Nintendo puts such a high emphasis on E3 is mostly because they had, it's like, if E3 goes down, it's like, okay, well, it was your fault, Nintendo. You shouldn't have told us to, to downsize E3. So how it works now is that it's invitation only to, um, by corporation. And so I want to get invited from uh, somebody. And, you know, Los Angeles is much closer to me than Seattle. And I still consider E3 to be king. Uh, and I think especially when we see Nintendo canceling, uh, not having a presence at, at, 
uh, Leipzig and um, while I think they're I think I'm definitely probably also going to go to Comic Con if Nintendo has a presence there here in San Diego I think that at the same time E3 is still very important and Nintendo puts a high emphasis on E3 and since this podcast um, last time I checked is pretty much mainly covering Nintendo I'm going to have to say that it's kind of we kind of have to go where Nintendo goes and um, so with that said I'm going to just go and say that E3 is important to us. And so because of this, I thought, well, I always have a difficult time getting into E3 because podcasts aren't necessarily the best way. I mean, podcasts are, are kind of, are, you know, they're newer than websites. So for example, if you own a, if you own a website that's a, that's a popular site, like, um, let's just call it, um, let's just pretend for a second that lithcast.com was as popular as the podcast. It, it's nowhere near the podcast. It's kind of amazing. I sometimes wonder if like, it's just like people are just kind of downloading it and not even listening because the listenership to the podcast is so much greater than that of the site that it's, and it's so many more countries and so many more people that it kind of just blows me away. And so sometimes I wonder if there are really people are just, people are just subscribed and like, okay, I'll, I'll just give this guy some downloads that I don't, I'm not even going to listen to it. Um, but, um, uh, at this, but what I basically, what I'm trying to say is that if you were on, if you were on a site that's popular, that's a stat that people can really get behind. Like if you're a site and you've got, um, let's just, I don't know, let's say, let's say 50,000 unique users a day or no, let's not say a day. That's pretty, uh, yeah, fine. A day, 50,000 unique people a day to people. That's more appealing than the same sort of stat from podcasts because the corporations just don't understand podcasts as much as they do websites because people are sort of more used to interfacing and Considering people that run websites as part of the media. Now I understand that there are a lot of people that are purists and say, okay, well, the real media is is the uh, news networks, which is which is probably true to some extent. But I think at the same time, it, there is still a lot more credence given to websites than to podcasts. And since our biggest numbers are with our podcasts, and this is not to say that all of you need to go to the to the website and be part on the website and read up on everything on the website or otherwise you're bad listeners and you're not helping me get into E3 because I'll be honest with you, I don't update the site enough to, because it's not a news site, you know, I mean, to warrant you guys coming there every day. I mean, the forums I think are great, but the forums only get you so far. Um, and so I don't expect that. I, I think the podcast is one of my, is, is something that's worth listening to. And I think one of these days podcasts are going to be one of those things where you can really rest, rest, um, you can really use that as your main stats. But the site stats are what they care about more. And so basically what I'm trying to get to is that now I run the highlight. When I say run, I mean, I use that term pretty loosely. I control all the news on there. I'm an administrator on the forums, but I don't actually own the site. Uh, the site is owned by a separate guy, same same guys that own, um, it's kind of like, it's almost like a big net empire. They own um, uh, ffrepublic.net, I think. Uh, um, they also own... I think it's the most popular Zelda fan site. So I search Zelda. On now I can't remember what it's called. Zelda, sorry, Zelda, um, Zelda Universe. Maybe they're not the most popular. Actually, maybe maybe um, maybe Zelda Dungeon is the most popular. But ZeldaUniverse.net, they own them. They also own a very a pretty popular site called um, KHInsider.com. So I'm part of that huge empire. But I basically am the guy in charge of of the Hylia. And so I make news posts, but I don't have access really to the server. And I think that's something I've been trying to do because here's the thing. So I, I'm talking my PR content. They're like, okay, so um, 
the problem is our good, our really great PR contact, Jessica Payne. I mean, I'm probably giving you guys way too much information, but our really great PR contact, Jessica Payne, she's not working completely with Nintendo anymore. So I'm kind of going through one of her subordinates. Um, and he was saying to me, okay, so look, I don't know you as well as, as Jessica does. So can you give me your stats? And I'm thinking like, okay, I can give him my Lithcast stats, but wouldn't it be really great if I could just use my, my, the highlight.com stats? Cause those are, that's a much more popular site. Like, I mean, I don't even know what the traffic is to, um, the highly, I mean, I know everything. I know everything about Lithcast because I run the servers there, but with the highly, I only write the news. And, um, so for example, if I go to, if, if there's any indication, if you go with Alexa trend ranks, which are basically sort of like a ranking of how popular your site is, like the lower the number, the more popular. You can say like Lithcast is like the 2.7 millionth most popular site in the whole internet, which, you know, it sounds like, oh, wow, that's pretty pathetic. But of course it's the internet, so there's a lot of sites. And we, we went down in popularity. That's not good. Anyways, um, but then you look at the Hylia. I mean, just I'll give you some perspective. Um, IGN.com is the... 98th most popular website. Um, GoNintendo.com, popular Nintendo site that you may not even know, is is ranked 6,000th or 6,124th. Um, NintendoWeFanboy.com, a site many of you probably frequent, is ranked... Um, sorry, I'm just doing all these searches right now. There's a reason I'm doing this. There's a reason I'm doing this. You know, actually I actually use the magic of television for this and pause this. Okay, so Nintendo Wii Fanboy is 11,000th. Uh, 12,000th is um, DS Fanboy is 12,000th. Uh, the Hylia is, um, you know, ranked a pretty significant, uh, it's a pretty significant number. I mean, it's not, it's 16,000th. So, I mean, granted, that's not, you know, that's not um, perfect. I mean, it's not as high as Go Nintendo or DS fanboy or one of those sites, but I mean, I think it's enough to get you into into the the convention. This is the Alexa trend ranks, which is unfortunately not what they care, what all the corporations care about as far as inviting people. I want to get the actual raw stats. The only problem is I've the, uh, the let's just say the management at um, at the Hylia, the the guys that run it, have not been particularly responsive uh, in getting me the server access or at least giving me the statistics that I need. To, to tell them this because it would just be much easier if I could say, okay, oh, look at this. I got a hundred, we got a hundred thousand visitors today. I mean, or, you know, whatever the Hylia's stats are. Because, I mean, you know, you see something like even like combo.com, which is, then they can get an E3, no problem. They're 20,000. So the Hylia is more popular than their site. And I'm thinking like, okay, I've got this, I'm sitting on this bed of statistics, very good numbers. And I can't, yeah, you know, I can't, I'm not saying cash in because of course I have to go and I'm not making any money from it. It's just, you know, it'd be much easier to get into E3 if I could just have these statistics. And I could use just my Lithcast statistics, and it seems to kind of work in the end. You know, I mean, I kind of, I've been, I've been able to get in the last two years, at least into the press conference. And I was even able to sort of stream it live with no thanks to Nintendo on that one, but last year. But I guess what I'm saying is that's just kind of annoying as far as what's been going on. But I'm still trying. Don't worry. Uh, and as far as what else I've been trying to do, I have, um, in, my, in, in my absence from the podcast, I... For the last month, I was kind of trying to work on a little project. Something that the Hylia has a tradition of doing is these things called visual guides. And so basically what that is, we're switching off the E3 topic. So basically what that is, is that is a, that is a kind of a visual walkthrough of an, of an entire Zelda game. 
And so basically that means that you play it from start to finish. Maybe um, some of the early ones had explanations about how the dungeons work, but basically you play it from start to finish. People can watch and see, okay, oh, oh, that's how you solve the puzzle. Because sometimes it's tough to say, okay, turn left here. Um, and also it's a free guide. It's very, very nifty. They still have them at the Hylia.com at the top. It says visual guides. And you could download the visual guides for all sorts of games. Now to do this, you need some software I mean, and some and some hardware to uh, be able to capture video directly from the Wii. Um, unfortunately, there's no solution. There's no official Nintendo solution to to. Um, there's really no official solution to for capturing video from the DS. But for the Wii, it's just an, outputting as an analog composite component or as video out. So you can just capture that. So I had I was I bought some hardware. I went to Radio Shack. I got all the components I needed. And then wouldn't you know it, the video output on my Wii burns out. I'm not even kidding. I tried S video cables, component cables, and composite cables. Maybe you guys have a fix for this. I'd be happy to to hear it. Although actually, I did I did already file a rep, um, repair with Nintendo. So they're sending me a a shipping label and a, a box, and so I'll have to send it off to them. Um, no permanent data, the, to, no no damage to the data. It's just the um, probably one of the pins got bent or something in the in the AV out. So I haven't been able to play Wii. I haven't even played Wii Fit, Mario Kart, or really anything for the Wii. So I've been basically I've had the I've I've basically been playing a whole bunch of 360 and a, a little bit of a DS. And actually, I'll tell you a little bit about what I was playing on on the DS. Although most of my most of my gaming was on the Xbox 360, mostly playing Grand Theft Auto 4 and playing a little bit of Hexic, uh, but mostly Grand Theft Auto 4. But most of it wasn't gaming because I've been pretty busy. So. I guess that's what I was sort of saying. Now, as far as I sort of have to mention something, which is that um, I just have to issue kind of a thank you, which is that if we get into E3, and I really hope that we do, the money that we got from the advertisers, see, I was actually planning, I mean, I just got my check a couple, uh, week, week, maybe a week or two ago, and I was sort of planning on, okay, so I don't want to have to have this EV, I want to rent an EVDO card so we can do a live stream because I know how much you guys like the live stream, and I thought, you know what, I'm going to have to raise a huge amount of money from everyone. I'm going to have to like have a huge donation thing. And I thought, it's going to be a real problem. I got the check from the advertisers and I'm thinking like, oh, wow, this um, this pretty much uh, pretty much covers it. We may have some extra expenses, and, but, even, but I, could, I, I could probably stomach those my myself. Um, but I just really want to thank you guys for downloading uh, during the time when we were, when we had those holiday episodes because they really did uh, help with the financial thing. And I think it should pay, it, it'll, it's enough to pay for the rental of the, um, you know, cellular high speed while we're at E3. Um, so I really just wanted to thank you guys for that. Um, I don't think I thank you guys enough. Um, I, of course, always appreciate your listening. I always, I think I always say that at the end, but I, which of course I do appreciate, but I mean, this is actually, I'm not, this I'm not just blowing smoke when I'm saying that. I really mean it. It's because you guys made me money. Of course, you all have to know any profit we make off this is all donated to, um, to Child's Play Charity, which is the charity run by um, Penny Arcade. Although right now I'm kind of holding on to the profits because I want to see what we're going to need in the way of e- E3. But if there's anything we don't need, you can bet it's going to Child's Play. So um, whenever you donate to Lithcast, whenever you download Lithcast, um, you know, and um, kind of a a shady character like me is not getting a dime of, of the profits. So don't worry. Um, anyway, so we probably should talk a little bit about news. Um, since our last podcast, um, WeWare has been released. And so for those of you who don't know what WiiWare is, I'm going to explain it. It's kind of something that's been lurking on your Wii Shop channel this entire time. And you, you may have noticed it. Um, 
it's always been, you know, it's been the shop channel right next to the virtual console stuff. But, you know, aside from the occasional Opera browser download or the occasional um, firmware update for the Wii, there's really never been anything there or the Everybody Votes channel. There's never really been anything there. So finally, Nintendo acts on it and they actually make a real working WiiWare channel. And I'll tell you my complaints, my concerns, my, uh, I'll just give you my impression of the Wii of WiiWare. Um, before my Wii clunked out, I did have a chance to, uh, to go on WiiWare and, uh, I downloaded and buy a game. I've only played one game on WiiWare, although I've been getting a lot. I've been getting a few of you saying I should play Lost Winds, which is not the game I played. And um, so I might have to try that out. Of course, as I said, my Wii is uh, my it's, it's out. It's out of commission right now. Let's just say I mean, it's actually sitting right here in front of me and I it's out of commission. But I look forward to its safe return, unfortunately. I bought the Wii on launch day, so it's no longer under warranty. So I'm going to have to pay, I think, about $75 for the repairs. And I think it's a ridiculous amount for, to pay for a repair. Although, I don't know. If they can get it, I guess they'll do it. Um, so, well, wh- where was I going with that? Yes, WiiWare. So for those of you who don't know what WiiWare is, aside from just the little thing that allows you to download... Um, special things like the Everyone Votes channel. WiiWare is actually also a way for developers to, to, to distribute out content without actually having to go out and press discs, without actually having to go out you know, and do all the other sort of things that are related to making a game, like the physical distribution aspects. And it's basically a lot like Xbox Live Arcade where you can just download games and play them. Now... In addition to, uh, to we at this point we're only really seeing games, um, but I look forward to to seeing um, to seeing software, and that's the thing I think is really going to be the most powerful. It is going to be software that isn't necessarily meant to be games and stuff that's really meant to like be a cool feature of the Wii. And I think, and I think um, I'm going to get into a little rant about this, but I think Nintendo um, subconsciously is doing it, but isn't doing it. So I guess to start off, I'll just mention sort of what, how the experience works. So I bought a game called TV Show King, mostly because I really like trivia games. And um, it's a trivia game. It's kind of like a, it's a game show. And uh, it's, it's a cute game. It's made by Gameloft, the, the company that I just, only I remember about Gameloft is that when I was at E3 2006, they had Paris Hilton at their booth. That's really the only thing I remember about Gameloft. Uh, but aside from that, the game itself is kind of neat. It's a it's a quiz show. I mean, it's you answer questions, you point at the answer, you touch the answer with your with the with the uh, Wii mote, and I mean, you point at it and click it, and then you know whoever gets the answer in the time in in the most timely fashion gets the points. And I think it's one of those games where it's. I mean, these are games that you know, if I had to go out and physically buy this game, I mean. And pay fifty dollars for it? Yeah, I don't think so. But I think that this having WiiWare really does have does it does overcome a lot of a few hurdles, uh, particularly the the main one of actually having to go out and drive to a to a game store and having to pay fifty dollars. Whereas this game was more like ten dollars, and there are other games that were like five dollars. 
Uh, they ported a Final Fantasy game. They have this game called Lost Winds. There are a few uh, there are a few games on uh, WiiWare, and I think it's neat because the third allows the third parties to um, distribute their games. Now I'm sort of I'm sort of iffy on. I'll tell you what my criticisms of WiiWare because um, I do I do have a few. The first I'm not saying that Nintendo can even help most of these, but I think that there are some things that n- need some fixing. So the first problem with WiiWare is, and it's just the obvious one, it's one that's been people have been bringing up all the time, is just that with only 512 megabytes of internal flash memory built into the Wii, unless you want to be carrying out SD cards, most of which, I don't think Wii supports SDHC, so the most you're going to get out of an SD card is about 4 gigabytes. Without it supporting even SDHC, and with these two lovely voluptuous... USB ports on the back, of course, they're, I'm kind of, you know, you know what I mean, on the back of the Wii, yes, one of which you can use for a keyboard, but yeah, a whole nother one. And people are saying, like, okay, why can't we have a hard drive? Because if we're going to be downloading all these games, I mean, I mean, don't you guys want us to be giving you money? I mean, if anything, I mean, making a hard drive is another way to yeah, make money off of us. So, you know, can't there be a hard drive? And I think Nintendo... I don't know why they haven't released a hard drive, and I, I sort of suspect that with all the demand for it, they're probably going to release one um, at E3, or at least announce one at E3. Uh, there must be something about it, I'm not sure, that must hinder it, because I would have thought that um, that um, I mean, I'm not sure there must be something about it that Nintendo doesn't want to risk. I think the problem with hard drives is that hard drives fail. Um, and when hard drives and it's, you know, and hard drives, the, the margins are so thin on hard drives that, um, yeah, I mean, you can get a huge hard drive for not as much, very much money. I think they they might feel like they'd be cheating customers to be charging what they really want because it's tough to be a um, it's tough to sell hard drives, especially because as I say, they fail. Flash memory doesn't really fail. I mean, it, I'm not saying it doesn't fail because there are a certain number of times you can write to it and not before the sector dies, but I think there are a whole bunch of other problems with flash and solid state memory. Um, but they're generally not as bad as hard drives. Like with hard drives, like if you orient them wrong, if you shake them around, you move them around, you drop them, they'll, they'll take physical damage to the drive. I mean, and we all have these problems sometimes with our hard drives. It's also, um, you know, hard drives in and of themselves are, can cause a lot of problems. And so I think Nintendo maybe doesn't want to risk it. And I think that's, that's a possibility. I mean, I don't, I don't blame them for that, but I think at a, at a point it's going to be like, okay, we have like hundreds of games on WiiWare hundreds of pieces of software we're not going to keep deleting them because what they say to do is oh just delete them and then re-download them put them on your sd cards re-download them when you want them um i think at a point it's gonna be like okay no just just could you just release a hard drive like i'm actually offering you i'm actually offering you like 50 bucks like right here i'm actually offering you money i'm actually like asking you to sell me one of your a product made by you guys to to put my games on and like in doing so i will probably be more inclined to buy more games because i have the capacity to do so i mean i know that i'm you know i'm i'm on at least i'm on my, on my xbox i i only have about a what is it a 20 or 40 gigabyte hard drive i forget what it is it's whatever it's whatever comes on the pro and i'm always inclined to just like try demos and get much more exposed to games just because i'm like oh i've got the space for that oh it's it's no big deal i'll just buy a 
demo. It's no problem. And so it's just something I do because I just, I don't know. So it's about having the space. It's sort of like on my computer. I have, um, I recently got a new computer. It has two terabytes of, of hard drive space. So I don't, I don't sweat getting a whole bunch of HD movie files on here, or, you know, capturing video or doing a lot of other hard, large file stuff because I'm like, Oh, I've got the Ram. I've got the hard drive space. No problem. So I think Nintendo ought to make a hard drive. Although the other, on the other hand, I do see what their point is, in, which is just that not every, they do provide a viable option, an alternate method. And at the same time, it's kind of annoying to deal with hard drives. Hard drives fail. They are, I don't, I really don't, I don't give them too much flack for this because losing a hard drive is not that, not that easy. And it's not, I mean, is it that, can they really make enough of a profit off of it where it's like, okay, the support costs are going to outweigh the costs of just paying for the bandwidth for redownloading it. I don't know. They've got probably got someone, but actually I would bet they're going to release a hard drive in, you know, at E3. I, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw that. Uh, but as far as we wear titles go, I mean, I did mention a few. One that's kind of uh, interesting, just came out yesterday, actually, is uh, my Pokemon Ranch. And the reason I mention this game is mostly because it's um, it, it sort of contributes to, well, a lot of the news stories that I'm going to be talking about. Um, so as you, many of you know, and I've gone on a rant about this a lot, is that I really am kind of sick of how Nintendo has treated Pokemon. And I just think that, you know, they've gotten a lot of spinoffs. And I think some of the spinoffs are okay. I think Hey You Pikachu was fine. I'm not probably the only person that thinks this. but uh, And I don't think that, and I thought all the stadium games and the XD games and the Coliseum games were okay. But it's got a lot of these spinoffs and, you know, like, um, I, I haven't tried my Pokemon Ranch. I've seen videos of it. It looks kind of cutesy. I'll probably end up buying it because I'm just a big Pokemon fan. Um, but I think at the same time, you know, I, they are, um, they release games a lot of the times that, like are just really dumb. Like Blue Rescue Team. And I'm going to talk about that actually because I got a copy of Blue Rescue Team. And it's sort of funny because I was sort of saying, oh, Nintendo... You guys didn't even send me Wii Fit. You didn't send me Mario Kart. You guys don't love me anymore. And so they sent me a copy of Pokemon Blue Rescue Team Explorers of Darkness. I forget which one it was. Anyways, I, I, I have pretty much already sent that one back. Um, but I'll talk about that a little bit later. But I'm, it just reaffirms what I was trying to say, which is just that I don't like the way they, they treat their Pokemon franchises. It's, I think, one of their best franchises. And I think just because it's gone... You know, I mean, it's, I don't want to say it's gone stale, but it's not the same thing where people used to rush in the Pokemon, you know, to the Pokemon trading card game store to get all the new cards. Granted, there's still people that are into the cards, but it's not nearly, I think, what it was, you know, in the, in the 90s, um, you know. I, I remember how Pokemon was back then. It was much, much bigger. I mean, everyone, everyone had Pokemon cards. I mean, people, probably millions of people, probably even the coolest people you know have Pokemon cards in their drawers somewhere. But I'm just saying, there are a whole bunch of games like, um, I'm just basically saying that they really, I think, are milking this franchise 
for all it's worth. And actually, the reason I had played the Pokemon Yellow theme, so I figured my, I'm, I'm already kind of in this, so I might as well mention what I was going to say, which is that um, the reason I played Yellow is because you know, the, a song from Pokemon Yellow is because Pokemon Yellow was probably, because I would say it's probably the first sort of um, third installment. I mean, what I mean is like, you know, you have Red, Red and Blue. Those are the two flagship titles. And then you have yellow, you had gold and silver, then you had crystal, you had ruby, sapphire, and then you had emerald. So they always usually release two games at once, two versions that are supposed to kind of be the same game. And they release another one, which is kind of maybe more varied than the, than, than, than the, than the original two were from each other, but all, but overall, not all that varied. Well, so we've actually had Pokemon Platinum confirmed. Pokemon Platinum is basically going to be what... Is basically going to be like what yellow was for red and blue, except for diamond and pearl. And Pokemon Platinum is, um, I was I always I think I always um pronounce this guy's name wrong, but okay, I'll just read the um the Softpedia the Softpedia um entry. They say probably one of the most successful franchises on the Nintendo DS console. The Pokemon franchise will welcome a new member to its family that will be called Pokemon Platinum. The news has been revealed that the latest issue of, in the latest issue of Koro Koro magazine, even though most of the fans who've loved the brand new Pokemon game Platinum will only be an expansion, blah, blah, blah. Still better than nothing, right? According to magazine. Well, the facts confirmed are that those regarding the name Platinum is an expansion like Pokemon Yellow. However, the rumored specifications of the expansion surely give a few reasons for joy, especially because they said that the underground will be Wi-Fi enabled. Also, we will probably see Giratina on the box when the game is released in September. And that's for Japan, by the way, I believe. Isn't it for Japan? A new area called Battle Island will be introduced in that and it will be similar to the Pokemon to the Battle Frontier. Also, fans will notice a few alterations in gym leaders and Pokemon placement. For example, Volk, uh, Volkner will no longer be the gym leader of Sunny Shore City, Giratina, and I can never, I can never pronounce this guy's name. Reg, Reg, <laughs> Reggie Goss, Red Goss, sure. Uh, we'll get new forms, which will allow them to get the levitate ability. Shaman will be at least partially ice type with its another form, and a few new and a few new other forms will be introduced. Even though Nintendo will probably run out of names for their Pokemon games, um. Pokemon Diamond is one of the blah, blah, blah. Okay, so that's the conclusion. So basically, Pokemon Platinum has been revealed. I actually on Lithcast.com, the main entry right now, although actually as soon as I publish this podcast will not be the main main entry, but will be the only entry if you go to the um, archives and towards the bottom right and scroll down and go to for May 2008, you'll notice that po- I made my own little Pokemon Platinum mock-up box. Sorry, I think it looks pretty nice. It's it's okay. It's a yeah, It's a fake. It's a fake. It's a fake. I'll say it right now. It is a fake. So am I excited for Pokemon Platinum? Um, sort of. I, I'm definitely going to buy it. I'm I'm just I'm a sucker, especially for real Pokemon games. They're technically Pokemon games. I am a sucker for those, and so I will definitely be buying it. I probably will even play it through, even though I won't notice a big difference. I I kind of don't like how they don't make a very how they don't have a very big difference in the games, but on the other hand, I 
I'd rather have I'd rather have a remake of a good game than have a whole new bad game like Explorers of Darkness. Um, you know, and I think I would rather have. Um, I mean, there's a whole bunch of these I'd rather have than than just a re- sort of a remake with a few new battle options. But I think because I mean I I'm always I'm always the type where it's like okay once I beat the Elite Four it's over. I've beat the Elite Four okay I have to throw the game away. I mean not throw it away but you know what I mean. So I think, you know, ultimately for me, it's not going to make that huge of a difference except maybe the gym leader changes. But I think that it's going to be interesting because, um, you know, I, I'm let's say, I, I'm someone who just play, plays all the Pokemon games and I will certainly be playing this. Um, and so I'll let you know how it is when I get a copy or when anybody gets a copy. Uh, Pokemon Platinum, I guess they are running out of, they're running out of things to call it. They probably should have called, actually, I don't know. I wonder what they're going to start calling the next one. Some people said they're going to start using numbers. Someone on, someone on the Lithcast forum said they're going to start using numbers. Um, and maybe, I don't know. I think this is, as you can see, we probably had, we had a pretty slow news month. I, I know I'm forgetting something huge. Um, and I know I'm going to regret it. I know I, I know I know I'm probably going to get emailed about it, but um, you know, still, what can you do? Obviously, I mean, I think I would have had a little more to talk about if I had actually managed to play Wii Fit. If I actually had my Wii, my uh, if my system was actually working, I probably could have played Wii Fit. Um, but what are you going to do? All right, so um, I'm actually, well, I got to say, although it's only been about 40 minutes into the podcast, um, I'm actually probably going to end it pretty soon. I just wanted to talk about and touch base on and give my opinion on one last thing. Um, Nintendo8558, our newest uh, member at the LithCast forums, um, met, asked the question, um, do you think that the Nintendo, basically, I guess the, to sum to sum it up, he said, um, for those, actually, for those of you, I'll just give you a little preface for this. Um, but on Monday, Apple had, which is yesterday, Apple had their WWDC, their Worldwide Developer Conference um, in San Francisco. And that's basically where they reveal a lot of news pertaining to developers. So they talked about the next iPhone. They, reveal, they revealed the next iPhone. They showed a bunch of games, some, um, some Sega games and some other games. And... The graphical power of the iPhone looked, in my opinion, better than the DS. I'd say somewhere between DS and PSP graphics, and perhaps even with some games, as good as the PSP. Now, we know that graphics aren't everything, and that gameplay and really having the good titles are generally what's going to make, you know, make sure, make, you know, ensure that a game console does well or, or um, is able to sell units. Um, but he posed the question of these graphics are pretty impressive. The iPhone, because it's a 100% touchscreen, can really have a very adaptive method of control. Has accelerometers like the Wii Remote. The Wii doesn't have that. It has a mic. I mean, he didn't say this, but I mean, it has a microphone. Um, they demoed Super Monkey Ball on the iPhone at WWDC, and it looked pretty good. Um, and it took advantage of the accelerometers inside the mic uh, inside the iPhone. Granted, they're not quite what the Wii's accelerometers are, but uh, still pretty impressive. Um, and now that the iPhone for the eight gig model is only two hundred dollars, 
I mean, is the is it, it does it start to look appealing? I mean, because it's I mean the DS. I mean, it's starting. It's I mean, it starts to look a little bit more appealing. Now, I'm not saying. And my opinion was, um, I really don't think that the DS is in trouble, and I'll tell you why. Um, even though I think the iPhone is uh, maybe more capable graphically than the Nintendo DS, um, I think that this is basically how I replied to the post. I said that um, you know even the installed base of the PSP, which is 35 million according to VGCharts.com, um, which is not the dominant handheld, is already is still bigger than the number of iPhones. According to Steve Jobs, they sold 6 million iPhones. And so a 6 million in sales is, at least in the portable market at this point, would be considered like a failure. So the number they've already pushed is not very significant. Now, granted, they're going to be lowering the price to eight gigabytes. And I don't think any of these new 3G features that they announced are any more compelling necessarily for um, for people because, it, I mean, uh, to buy an iPhone for the sake of gaming. Um, I'm not saying that it's impossible, but I guess I'm saying, so they don't, you know, in, in addition to that, one thing that makes, I think, the DS dominant over the PSP is not so much the control, because I'll be honest with you, I don't think the control is as great as it is. I think as far as the touch features and the micro features are really, they're really only well utilized when Nintendo makes the games. That Nintendo, I, I think Nintendo, both with the Wii and the DS, doesn't, don't have great third-party titles. Um, the DS, less so than the Wii, but I think, um, but I still think that Nintendo really knows how to utilize features. Nintendo, Apple didn't talk about any first party games and I don't and they don't have that the benefit of all that experience with first party titles. So I don't think that Nintendo is really looking at any real form of competition. I don't even think Sony's looking at any real form of competition in the portable space as far as gaming is concerned from the iPhone. And what's more is that all these games have really that we saw like Monkey Ball and I think with the exception of one, actually no, I think all of them were um were just ports of old games. I mean and I think that's what made the PSP not sell as well as the DS in a lot of cases, which is that, you know, it's just, it's sometimes it's just a watered down PlayStation game. Um, the only, and that's not true always, but I'm just saying a lot of them are ports and ported and a system that just received ports, it receives ports is like almost not, it's almost not worth it. Um, it's sort of like, uh, you know, I owned call of duty for call of duty three for the Wii. And I also have played it for the 360. Now, I think just you cannot push enough polygons in the Wii to really you know, be able to see all the enemy soldiers. And so the point is, you know, ports are not even always necessarily the best games. And so, like, when you can get the originals, perhaps, on the DS and just maybe get a port on the iPhone, why would you spend more money for an iPhone that, I mean, just just you know, just know, so you can, uh, you know, use its um, enhanced graphics i mean i think the psp is probably just as good if not better and most of the time at least from the games that i saw um and i think um as responsive and as good as i think the touch screen features of an iphone by the way, i have an iphone so i mean I, I i love my iphone um as a phone and as a everything else that it does but i i don't know i mean i, I think i'll like it as a gaming thing but i don't think i would like it over my um nintendo ds um the other problem with the iPhone is that while the control in the touchscreen is great, I think there is something to be said for hard buttons are what gamers are used to. And all touchscreen games can work sometimes on the DS, and they, and they do occasionally. Um, but I don't think they always work. And I, think, and I think it's possible. But I mean, imagine a DS that only had touch. Now, granted, it would be multi-touch, so you could probably use more than one finger and more than one stylus. 
but still only touch. And the other thing is, as you know, as cool as you, know, you can get up to a 16 gigabyte model of the iPhone, but how many games are you going to run out of games? Are you going to run out of games? There's no expandability. There's no SD card slot to put in games. So if you went to out to buy games, you'd do it from the from the app store, which is something that basically you're just downloading the games over the air, which is fine. But I mean, at some point you're going to start running out of space. Um, and since there's no way to actually insert cartridges, I think there's that problem too. The other, the last thing is that I think a lot of people just don't like these convergence devices, things like the N-Gage, the, the Nokia N-Gage, which is, a, which is considered to be a pretty big flop. Um, while at the time when I, it came out, I remember I, remember I was seriously uh, looking at an N-Gage because I'm like, wow, that looks really good compared to a Game Boy. Um, but I was, I mean, but the thing is like, you know, do I, do I, do I, I didn't want to sign up for a plan. I didn't want to have to do all this and since now apparently the iPhones they're not selling them online you have to do the activation in store it sounds like you have to sign up for a plan because it sounds like I think probably this price is, is subsidized with a plan and so I don't think people are going to want to do that I think then it start takes out the price incentive and then I think I, and I don't think that they have, they have the, the first party base I think it does have some advantages which is that it's also if, I mean look if you like convergence devices like phone and game system that's great I think if you want to ha not have to deal with game cartridges in it, you can fit all your games on 16 gigabytes, assuming you buy the more expensive $300 version of the iPhone, which granted is still cheaper than a lot cheaper than it used to be. But 16 gigabytes of that can hold all your games. Well, they're good for you. And the other thing is that they're the third party developers, which is, I mean, since Nintendo doesn't, since Apple doesn't have first party developers can't, I mean, since, since Apple doesn't have any first-party developers, the third excitement from the third-party developers has really just been, it's like, okay, you're good, it's good, but we're only going to port games to it. We're really not going to do anything. Although I will admit that some of the games they said had iPhone-specific features. Um, so that's my take on how I, how I feel about um, whether or not the iPhone really is going to pose a significant threat to the uh, Nintendo DS or the PSP, as the case might be, in the portable market. While I think they will get something... I think you have to realize that the installed base right now is only 6 million iPhones. And unless they plan on really jumping this, um, um, unless they really plan on jumping that shipment um, number to closer to even the PSP, which is 35 million, I don't think you'll see a significant dent or even the incentive from third parties to develop their own you know, games that are iPhone specific and that aren't just ports. And I mean, granted, there is another thing to say, which is, to be said, which is um, someone mentioned on the let us see who mentioned it, who mentioned it on the that same topic, which was that the um, it was actually uh, Doc P. He mentioned that the iPhone is going to be getting Spore, which is which is true, but of course, I mean, almost every platform is going to be getting Spore. Um, and uh, rumors of World of Warcraft. Um, look, it's fine. I just think that. There, I don't see the iPhone getting any, any exclusive titles. I mean, maybe they will. I don't know. We will see. But I gotta say, I do. I do not see it as being a major threat to the DS. Just from mostly from what we've seen in the past with these kinds of devices, uh, I think to have people commit to a plan is just more commitment than what people want. I mean, think about it. if you're a mother or something and you're going in to buy your kid a game system, you know, you'll probably go and you'll look and you'll say, okay, oh well, let's see what games look wholesome and good for my little child to play and you're probably going to look at the ds and i think that a lot of the um the mother factor goes to that goes more to the ds um 
and also it's less expensive than the iPhone. But I think it's like, I think you'd even go for a PSP before you went for, uh, before you went for an iPhone. I mean, another thing is, it's called an iPhone. It's got to somehow shake this image of being a phone. I think for even like the mother, as I'm gonna call it, the mother effect to even consider it as a gaming platform. Like, if you walk into EB Games, do you really expect them to say, "Oh, by the way, you might want to go," like for example, where my GameStop is. Um, there's also an Apple store in the same shopping center. Like you expect, I don't expect them to go, oh yeah, you know, you could actually go over to the Apple store, pick up an iPhone and, um, then, you know, you can actually download applications. I mean, it's, it's, it's $50 more expensive than, than a, it's actually a $70 more expensive than a DS and about the same price as a PSP. And you'd have to go and get a plan for it. Um, and you'd have to have AT&T as your wireless provider, but, but yeah, it, it's, and it's, um, it doesn't have as many games and they're all ports, but yeah, you can, yeah, you should, you should go do that. I, I just don't see. I just don't see the guys. The guys at GameStop doing that. And so I think that while the iPhone is a very exciting thing, I think um, if it's successful, that's great. I mean, we could always use more good games. There's nothing wrong with that. But I just don't see it really overtaking the DS or even or even the, or even the PSP. I, I just don't. At least not the way things are now, especially because. I think I just think there's just that that mom factor that are they're not that the mothers they go in to buy a game system for their kids for Christmas or something or for whatever and they I mean they don't consider an iPhone. I mean a lot of a lot of people that aren't don't know very much about games just call game systems Nintendos. And I think I don't know. I mean I think there's that certain level of I mean how many kids are going to you know go and say okay I want an iPhone to play games another thing. Um, but there is something to be said for the method of control, the idea that it's all done over the air. It's 16 gigabytes internal, although you can't expand it. Um, that there is, the price is not too bad. The, you know, um, it's all touch. The graphical power is pretty good. I think it can be done. I just don't think, I just don't think it'll happen. And I think, I think with E3 coming along, I don't know what Nintendo and Sony are going to announce, but I'd imagine they're going to have to step, Apple would have to step it up just a little bit because my guess is Nintendo or Sony or one, you know, one of the two is going to step it up at E3 this year. And some people say like, oh, is Nintendo going to announce it? And that's a new topic here almost. But some people were wondering like, oh, is Nintendo going to announce a new DS at E3? And I, I don't know. I, I'd like it, but I'm, I'm not getting uh, my hopes up. Although I don't know. I think I, th- I sort of have a, I sort of have a feeling that they're they're staging a there's going to be a re- major upset that we're going to see something really great but uh, of course I have no inside information on that so you can't really you can't really trust anything I say well I mean you can just not on that just not on that uh so Lithcast listeners with ending with a 50 minute podcast um not too long I, I'm surprised I know I missed something and if I missed something just go ahead and email me um of course you can email me about anything you have a, a question on at um, nintendopod at gmail.com or nintendocast at gmail.com um, always happy to hear from you of course you could also go to lithcast.com and you know and go to the contact us page and we'll be glad to hear from you there um, but actually before we wrap it up, I hope most, I hope you guys didn't, uh, didn't just kill the podcast. Um, just now, but actually we do have some, uh, some questions, uh, from, well, from, 
our last podcast. Um, quite a few actually. Um, so sure, let's um, let's get into them. Wait, wait a minute, I'm pulling up questions from last podcast. This is this simply will not do. There, there we go. Wait a minute. What the heck? Okay. So, okay. If I, if I miss one question and it might be Dustin's question, if he, if I didn't, then, um, just email, just email it back and I'll answer it on the next podcast. Of course, that's nintendopod at gmail.com or nintendocast at gmail.com. But since we were just talking a little bit earlier about how our lovely, extremely lovely, excuse me, an extremely talented moderator, Mr. Storm is back. Um, it just happened that actually shortly after the last podcast, he actually emailed me a question. Um, he says, Ola, thought about this after listening to your, your conduit. By the way, the conduit is that um, the first person shooter that has been announced for the Wii using this uh, its own engine called Quantum 3 that is developed by high voltage uh, software. So that's what he's referring to. So thought about this after listening to your conduit piece last podcast. If you haven't noticed, Nintendo has been adamant in its defense of a more basic gaming experience for Wii. By this, I mean that their technology has been rather primitive in the interest of making their product cheaper. Features like hard drives, voice chat, universal IDs for, um, for games, DVD players, and current generation graphic capabilities are all left behind in this interest of this blue ocean strategy to reach the so-called casual gamers. I think this philosophy is driving away its core fan, core fan base and not catering to their interests. Is, is this pursuit of of the cash crop casual gamer driving away Nintendo's long-term fans is it possible to draw in both the casual gamer and the hardcore what say you um all right well for one thing I was sort of hoping no one would ever ask this one because this is sort of the question that I I struggle with I struggle with this question every day and I'm serious actually um I, I well I think you have a point which is that you know they, there is this blue this strategy that 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 was called blue ocean and the idea and if you haven't noticed already you probably you probably have noticed if you own a Wii um, but it's that they're going to be creating games like Wii Play and Wii Fit where you know, they're putting serious development consideration and serious development dollars into um, these games, which aren't really hard to pick up and play. They're games that really anybody can get the hang of, and they sort of level the playing field. Uh, games like Wii Fit is a good example, a game that just came out. It's something that there really isn't much of a game to it. I mean, there isn't this sort of traditional... Wow, you know, you're a hero and you do blah and you have this huge intricate storyline. Obviously, Nintendo still has some of those games. We have got stuff like Legend of Zelda. Um, on the off chance that we ever get Pokemon games, like the like real Pokemon games, we have those too. Um, but at the same time, they've really been, certainly, I think it's very noticeable, they've been releasing a lot more of this casual gamer content. And this is something that I personally, as... I don't know if I would, I mean, I, I, I always say like I'm a hardcore gamer, but I enjoy the casual games as well. And, you know, I mean, like, so I'm playing GTA 4 right now, which, I, which, can, which most people would consider a hardcore gamer type of game. And, you know, at the same time, I really like Wii Sports. And I, like, I like a lot of these games, but a lot of people argue that Nintendo is, I, I argue that this, and I think pretty much only, the only thing I've ever seen like this is actually Apple, where the fans are just, they they just they just love the company, um, and just because of love of the company, they will you know do anything for the company. I mean, they will they will stick through them through the GameCube days. 
I mean, these are times that most people thought, oh, Nintendo's kitty, you actually own that, that stupid uh, purple lunchbox of a console. I mean, people laughed at people for you know, for liking Nintendo games. They said, oh, why don't you just go get a PS2, you, you dope. And I mean, and, and the hardcore Nintendo fans stuck by Nintendo. And I think... I think there really are very few companies, and I think maybe Apple might be the only one that I come that comes to mind for me, that the that the people that are fans of them really are true ravenous, crazed, always very loyal fans. And I think Nintendo's so lucky to have those. It's funny that you mention this actually, because I've sort of I don't want to say commissioned, but I've sort of had this uh, let's call it an inside let's call it an inside job to write a letter. Uh, to Nintendo, and and someone said like, yo, hey DS Cube, can I buy off your uh, your um, your clout? Which is really not saying very much. It's sort of like saying, hey, could I buy nothing? Because I mean, I might I don't have a lot of clout. Um, but someone said like basically they didn't buy off anything. I'm just I just I would someone said to me like, okay, you know, you really ought to write a letter about what you think, and then since you what you ought to do, you also ought to put it post it on your site. Uh, with cast.com make it an open letter so that it's just more so it presses them more to respond and make it about like their their ignorance uh, of a situation with regard to the hardcore gamer and you know not releasing universal game ids or hard drives or dvd players i think dvd players aren't a really big one but i think i mean nintendo's all these things that i think are really not in their best interest especially the online thing where it's like you know you can make it probably even a lot easier on yourself if you just had a system of I, of universal IDs and you just had a system and you just had a very easy to work system. And so believe it or not, the letter itself is actually already written. Uh, it's really just a matter. I just got to do some, a couple of corrections. I'm trying to really make it a good letter and I'm going to actually mail it off a certified letter um, to, to Reggie Fils on May himself. Um, I don't know if it'll get any response, but I, like I said, it was sort of something that someone said, Oh, you ought to do this. And so I'm like, okay, but I'm just going to, I'll be honest with you. Um, what I mentioned in my letter was, um, I, I could read you the letter. Um, but I think I have to do a few, make a few revisions to it. Um, but I basically addressed three main points. And I think it's that Nintendo is just being a little bit unfair. And a lot of it has to do with the hardcore gamer. Uh, it's the idea that the people that that took those purple lunchbox comments, people that stuck by the GameCube and their, you know, Nintendo's would, would be considered probably their, some of their, their worst hour, where the PlayStation, which they had actually commissioned Sony to help them with, had actually been turned against them, and to be used against them to be like to, to be basically throwing them out, and people counted them out. I mean, it, I mean, they people counted them out for the next generation. Um, everyone thought Nintendo was dead, but the only reason they didn't die is because they had great first-party titles. I mean, I think, and the only reason that Nintendo, I think, if Microsoft, well, or, or Sony. If this sort of thing happened to them, where like to the extent that happened with the GameCube, it's not as big of a deal for Microsoft and Sony because they're not dedicated game companies. But if they were dedicated game companies, I think we would see a much different scenario because Nintendo has all these first party titles they can just fall back on. I mean, it's like, okay, all right, so the GameCube wasn't maybe, you know, think about think about all the games that came out for GameCube that Nintendo published Super Smash Brothers, Melee, Super, Mar- Super Mario Sunshine, which I think was an okay game. Um, plenty of games that were, were pretty, were, you know, Resident Evil 4, that was a third-party title, but I think they probably some, took some wheeling and dealing there. But what I'm saying is that these are, th- you know, AAA titles that came out specifically for the GameCube because Nintendo is a AAA developer. I mean, you've got one developer that's just Nintendo, and that's Nintendo, making these first-party titles that are, are just great, and they just 
people just go nuts for him. And that is what made me uh, stick by them in in their time of need. I mean, I bought, I, I owned a three, an Xbox. I owned a PlayStation 2. I owned a GameCube. Um, but yeah, I stuck, we stuck, I stuck by them. And I think the question is like, okay, I mean, you've got these games and the people that would stick by me. Do you really, I mean, I mean, it's a big question. I mean, because I'll be honest with you in my letter, I say, I mean, it's like, does Nintendo really think that if they stopped making casual games and it really only did hardcore games, do you think, do you think that like the casual gamers they've picked up are going to stick by them? I don't think so, but you, I can, but I bet you anything. And I, I don't think this is, and I think this is the case. The hardcore Nintendo fans will stick by them even when there is nothing but casual games. I'm not saying we're having nothing but casual games. We just had Mario Kart come out a few days ago. And we just had Pokemon Platinum announced. And we may have a lot of hardcore type game announcements at E3 that might prove this entire thing wrong. But I think that there's something to be said for the idea that Nintendo might be, you know, Ignoring the people that made them who they are. I mean, regardless of whether the Wii was a good system or not, I would have bought it. If it was if it wasn't this successful, I would have bought it. I bet many of you t- listening to this podcast would have as well. And I don't think that you guys should be left in the dust or left or should be forgotten. Although I have to say this. I don't really think that we saw that many more games that were geared towards the hardcore gamer in the GameCube days than we did in the Wii days. I'll be honest. I really don't. I think we still are actually seeing probably at least an equal amount. But I think the question is this. They've had wild success with the Wii. Why can't they push some, put some of that money and some of that success, some of that effort into hardcore games? Um, it would be Now, the perfect thing would be as if they could get their certain market, their casual gamers, and eventually sort of slowly turn them into hardcore gamers. That would be the perfect thing. Um, but it's true. They leave behind current-gen graphics... And they leave behind a lot of things in terms of, in terms of, um, in terms of people. And a lot of, and I'm think I think it's going to start to get them unless they do something at E3 because you know on ScrewAttack.com, a site that I frequent a lot. It's kind of a funny video site, uh, but it's a, it's geared towards gaming. It's not a not a pornography site or anything, despite the name. Um, they had a segment about ten reasons you should keep or ten reasons you should sell your Wii. I mean, like the fact that this is up for debate is not a good thing for them. And this is, these are hardcore gaming sites. I mean, nobody has done more for Nintendo, especially to spread the word about being um, a casual gaming machine than the hardcore gamers. Um, In addition to that, we've got, I think Mr. Storm, the guy that sent this email is selling his Wii, I think to his, um, to his brother and with a few games to try to get a 360. I mean, these are switchers. We don't want, and it's like, yeah, if they're leaving the Wii, that's that's pretty terrible. I mean, the hardcore fans. You don't want your hardcore fans leaving the Wii because if you ever decide you want to pull the rug out from under your casual gamers, you you're you're pretty much done. And then and then you're not a gaming company after a while. It's like you're you're a brain training company or you're a fitness company. I mean, I don't know. So I don't have a full-on answer. I'll be honest with you, though. People seem to talk about this huge shortage of hardcore games. And I think it's true when you look at it with respect to how much money Nintendo's probably making. But to be quite honest, I don't think we're seeing that much bigger of a shortage in hardcore-type games, you know, any more than we were when the GameCube days were, were what we were experiencing. Although, granted, we do have 
a lot. That Nintendo probably has, has a lot more capital now. I'm not really sure, Mr. Storm. I'm not really sure. I really want. I really would like to be. I would really like to have you proven. You know, have, have what you're saying proven wrong or whatever it is you're trying to say at E3. But we will see. So our next question comes, and actually our last question comes from uh, Sam Rose, our um, one of our most esteemed British listeners, um, and he says. With Wii Fit now out, I was thinking that for a game, it's quite expensive. But if you could use the balance board for other things, it would be okay. Obviously, Nintendo is planning other things uh, for it, but I was thinking of some ideas. Mario Kart Wii, you could use the balance board for Accelerator and Brake, 1080 Snowboarding, WarioWare, and they could create some crazy mini games using the balance board. Have you any ideas? Long live the queen. Um, okay, so Sam, um, I think... As far as we fit goes, I think it's. I have to agree. I think the game itself, we fit, is really not worth buying the balance board for. Eighty-five dollars. While I don't think it is a complete ripoff, considering you get a game and a balance board, I think the balance board. Um. That that the game that we fit in of in and of itself is not a reason to to cough up eighty-five dollars. Um, I do think though the balance board has a lot of potential. The idea that you can. With the Wii remotes, you can already, and the nunchuck, you can move your hands independently is a pretty big deal. Now, if you can move your feet independently or you can um, you can lean over and you know, have your body weight shifted, I think that's a big deal. Um, you know, what if you could, I, I don't think, you know, I think whenever we get into these games um, like this, I think we have to realize that there's going to be a point like where people don't want to stand up. There's only so much you can push this, I think. I think people... Um, even though I oftentimes stand up while I'm playing games, even just on my Xbox, um, if, if I don't need to, I, I sort of have a feeling that people don't want to have to be running, have to run around. I think it could always be an option. And I think with 1080 snowboarding, that's fine. I mean, you saw it was actually a game that came out very shortly after Wii Fit called Wii Ski. I wouldn't recommend buying it, but I'm just telling you Con- concept, concept wise, it is, um, kind of like, of course, I believe it doesn't include snowboarding actually. Um, and yeah, you could have more, you could have crazy minigames in War. I'm sure WarioWare should, I think WarioWare should take, to, should take advantage of it. Um, but here's the thing. Uh, I, I, I'm really interested, like, you know, Mr. Storm said, which is, which is, I'm really interested in seeing, well, what applications does this have in, with the hardcore market, with, with the, with the gamers that, with the, you know, in the games that really make up Nintendo's franchise, like, like, could Pokemon use this? Could Metroid use this? Could, um... Um, why am I not being, well, could Mario use this? Could, I mean, could, could any of Nintendo's flagship franchises use this? Um, and I, I don't know. I mean, I think, I think the key is to not use it in a gimmicky way. Like for example, um, your Call of Duty 3, just to keep beating on that game. Um, when you got attacked, you were supposed to, to when you, if you had, if you had to, if you were kind of sneak attack you're supposed to melee the person by kind of shaking the Wii remote and nunchuck as if you were trying to like fight the person which I think is fine but I think some, we don't want gimmicks I mean granted a game like WarioWare is meant to be like 100% gimmicks but I'm just saying I think that that um, I, I, I don't really know that we could use it in some of our more hardcore uh, games um, I, I think 
though that the Wii balance board is the most exciting part of Wii Fit, and I really hope that Wii Fit sells well because I just want a lot of these. I think that I, I hope, I mean, this is what I'm hoping Nintendo's thinking, is that Wii Fit is really more of just a way to seed Wii balance boards. Um, although the other thing is, though, I mean, we saw this trailer uh, when the Wii remote was first announced with all these applications using Wii remotes. You saw this cooking thing, chopping the onions, or you saw the guy playing the drums with two Wii remotes. I mean, they haven't even gotten really to the point of two Wii remotes. So I have to wonder, are they really going to start bringing in feet into the equation? I mean, not even feet. You can't. Yeah, you know, I, I imagine the Wii, Wii balance board is not very durable. It's got a weight limit. You can't when you do Wii Fit, when you're playing Wii Fit and you're and you're trying to do the jogging, you put a Wii remote in your pocket as opposed to actually running on the Wii remote on the, on the balance board. So I imagine that you can't be can't be really strenuous whatever it is you, whatever it is you're going to do on the balance board. So you know I I don't know I I my guess is that I mean I would love to see this implemented well. I mean it sort of reminds me of a, the Nintendo on video as many of you guys remember that. Uh, it sort of reminds me of that, but um, they. You know, how you could walk and it could detect your movement. And I think I think it's a good idea, but I think I, I gotta say I can't imagine like, like where would you use it? Like what could it what does it accomplish I think that you couldn't get for? I mean, I, for example, with a Wii Remote, the idea of pointing and being able to have motion sensing, I think there is there are advantages to that. Baseball is a great example. You can control your swing. Bowling you can control your swing. You know, in Wii Sports, there are real things that you having a motion sensing controller really do help you with, and that they help you. They do give you added control. The idea of being able to put on spin. I mean, whereas in a much more realistic and more natural way, you know. But I mean, like, aside from like, I suppose like a three-legged race. I mean, under what circumstances are you ever sitting? Are you ever standing there, like, with your feet kind of together? Uh, I mean, would anyone here be for a three-legged race game uh, or a sack race game? But then again, I mean, you couldn't even do that because you can't jump on the Wii balance board because you can't even run on it. And so I don't know. I would love to see some great applications for it. be honest, I don't know. I think what's going to be the most exciting things. Um, I think the most exciting things are going to be um, things that, I mean, you know, if, if, if for example, you know, WiiWare titles come in that use this balance board or, you know, something I, I think... I don't know, but I think the most exciting thing about Wii Fit is, in fact, the balance board. And I think it really is just a matter of time before if we can see uh, how it works. I think a lot of it has to do with how many they managed to seed. I think we saw with the Wii Zapper that it, it didn't, they didn't do so well with the Wii Zapper. They didn't sell a lot of them. Um, and I think that might, I think might be part of the reason why we don't see a lot of games with the Wii Zapper, maybe two, right? But I think if they manage to seed a lot of Wii balance boards, I think we'll see. I think we'll see a great deal of um, of gaming de- development for it. But you know, I think there is. It's really amazing. I mean, if you can actually get this to work, like where you can move your hands and feet independently, that that'll be something. That'll be something. All right, Lithcast listeners, this is probably going to do it for Lithcast episode forty four, Tuesday, June tenth. Um, as always, you can email me at nintendopod at gmail.com or nintendocast at gmail.com. Uh, or you can go to lithcast.com, L-I-T-H-C-A-S-T dot com. Uh, click on the Contact Us button. While you're there, you might want to uh, check out or peruse our forums. Almost 50,000 posts of total goodness. Mr. Storm is back. Now it's a party. I'm going to go hop into the Lithcast forums hot tub right now. Um well, actually, no, I'm actually going to go probably edit this a little bit and then throw it up there um, and throw the show up on the Internet. But but then afterwards, I might 
go into the Liftcast Forums hot tub and check that out. If you want to join our protein folding team, I know we think we have like two members now using um, the PS3 client, which is great because if you own a P- if you own a PS3, the PS3s are very good at doing protein folding. Basically, just to give you an idea, the premise is the idea. The idea is that you're donating your computer's idle time to help fight disease. Um, you can go to folding.stanford.edu, um, download the text GUI screensaver client. I think Unix, you can download any client you want. And um, and just donate your work unit to the name of Nintendo of uh, the Nintendo podcast, uh, Lithcast. And the team number, when prompted, you should give is 45501. We'd love to have you as part of our work unit um, team. I am now leading. It's about time. I'm finally, in score-wise, I'm not winning work unit-wise. Riz Xanthus will pretty much always probably hold that, but I'm, I'm at 96 work units, which is a lot. Um, so I encourage you to try, I encourage you to try to take, take me on, beat me. And um, perhaps uh, that then perhaps we'll be able to work that out. I'm going to really try working on E3. Um, but uh, in the meantime, you guys, thanks a lot for listening to Lithcast episode 44. I'm Daniel Friedlander or DS Cubed signing out.